Good morning, my siblings in Christ. You may be seated. I'm grateful to be with you this morning and want to lift up two verses from the already read scripture, from Exodus, the third chapter. I want to lift up verses 11 and 12. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And God said, I will be with you, and this will be the sign to you that it is I who have sent you. And when you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. Let us pray. Father God, in the name of Jesus, we come now to this powerful moment of preaching. Father, we pray that this body will be edified and that you will be glorified. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight. O oh Lord, you are my strength and my redeemer. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. In our morning text, we find Moses with a burning question at a burning bush. God, why have you chosen me to lead the Israelites out of Egypt? Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? I guess I could understand some of the reasons behind that question. Maybe Moses felt a deep sense of personal inadequacy and insecurity. He may have questioned his abilities and qualifications or worthiness to take on the responsibility of leading the Israelites out of Egypt. I don't know about you, but, but all of us at one point or another have felt a sense of inadequacy for the task ahead, if we're really going to be honest about it. Maybe because he understood the gravity of the task of challenging Pharaoh, a powerful ruler, leading a group of people out of slavery, Moses might have felt overwhelmed by the enormity of the responsibility. Maybe Moses lacked confidence in his leadership skills and doubted whether he could effectively lead a large group of people. Maybe Moses just wanted God to know that he realized that the task was beyond his abilities and that he needed divine guidance and empowerment to fulfill such a significant mission. Maybe Moses was just seeking confirmation from God, looking for assurance that he was indeed the chosen instrument for this mission. I don't know what made Moses ask the question, but we have a record of God's response. God tells Moses, I'll be with you. And when the captives are free, you will worship me on this mountain. My friends, mountains are significant to God. The first mountain mentioned in the Bible is Mount Ararat. It was on that mountain that after the flood waters receded, Noah's ark came to rest on that mountain. 
And there we witness God's mercy and grace and the importance of having faith in difficult times. We saw God's love and power and hope for humanity on that mountain. It was at Mount Sinai where Moses received the Ten Commandments and the law from God. It was at Mount Nebo where Moses viewed the promised land before his death. It was at Mount Carmel where we witnessed the contest between the prophet Elijah and the prophets of Baal. It was at Mount Tabor which was the site of the transfiguration of Jesus. And then there's the Mount of Olives. Many key events in the life of Jesus, including the Garden of Gethsemane where he prayed before his crucifixion, a, a place of spiritual reflections. Mountains are significant to God. Mountains can also be places of tests and trials. It was at Mount Moriah where we witnessed how Abraham faced a significant test when God instructed him to sacrifice his son Isaac. And we saw his willingness to obey God. Mountains can be places of sin and pride. While Moses was on Mount Sinai receiving the Ten Commandments, the Israelites created a golden calf to worship at the mountain's base. So, my friends, mountains matter. And I can imagine many of the mountains that a modern-day Moses named Martin Luther King Jr. had to face when he answered God's call on his life. He faced the mountain of racial segregation. Then it was legal segregation in public facilities and schools and transportation and other areas enforced separate and unequal system through Jim Crow laws. Well, today, the historical patterns of housing, segregation, and discriminatory practices still influence residential patterns, leading to unequal access to housing and neighborhood resources and opportunities the effects of redlining are still alive and well in America and in Cleveland. Dr. King faced the mountain of voter suppression. Then it was discriminatory practices such as literacy tests and poll taxes aimed at suppressing the vote and limiting political participation. And today, we still face challenges related to voter suppression and gerrymandering and limited access to polling places meant to impact the ability of communities to participate in the democratic process. He faced the mountains of police brutality and violence. Systematic racism manifested in police brutality and violence leading to the tragedies such as the murder of Emmett Till and other racially motivated crimes. And today we are still trying to build bridges and improve police and community relations in the wake of those who lost their lives. We must still address racial disparities within the criminal justice system, including arrests and sentence and incarceration rates, which can still contribute to systematic inequalities. He faced the mountain of economic disparities limited job opportunities and discriminatory practices that hindered economic advancement. And today, here in Cleveland, 
We still see disparities in employment opportunities, wage gaps, and limited access to economic resources that contribute to ongoing inequality and disparities in healthcare access and outcomes. But my friends, there's one more mountain that Moses faced, that Martin faced, that we face today. And that is the mountain of unrighteous mentality. You see, the mountain of unrighteous mentality represents the deeply ingrained attitudes and beliefs that can hold us back from progress and positive change. Overcoming this mountain requires a shift in mindset and a challenge of preconceptions and biases to embrace new perspectives and ways of thinking. Only then can we move forward toward a brighter future. We must continue to challenge the hardened hearts, the pharaohs among us who are still resistant to acknowledging the words of the Declaration of Independence apply to all of us. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all people are created equal. They are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, and that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. We must continue challenging those beset by the diseases of pride and arrogance, those whose desire for control causes them to defend discrimination and fundamental unfairness. We must continue to challenge the mentality that supports or is indifferent to injustice, or oppression, or dehumanization, including all of the modern-day efforts of segregation, racial profiling, and derogatory stereotypes. We must remain vigilant in our efforts to fight against these pervasive issues and work towards creating a more equitable and just society for all of us, regardless of our race and ethnicity or our background. Only by acknowledging and actively working to dismantle these harmful systems can we hope to create a better future for ourselves and future generations. We cannot do it alone. Moses could not do it alone. Martin could not do it alone. And thank God we don't have to do it alone. Because the same God that was with Moses, the same God that was with Martin, this is the same God that's with us today. God said to Moses then, to Martin then, and to us today, I will be with you. And when you have brought the people out of Egypt, out of an unrighteous mentality, you will worship me on this mountain. What's on the mountain, Dr. Baston? I heard Moses made it there. Then the Lord said to him, this is the land I promised an oath to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I heard Dr. King made it there. He said, God allowed me to go up to the mountain, and I've looked over, and I've seen the promised land. I may not get there with you, but I want you to know tonight that we as a people will get to the promised land. And I heard Jesus made it there, a mount called Olives, a mount where he hung, bled, and died. And they tell me on the third day morning, he got up with all power, in his hand. It's there where he ascended, leaving us 
in anticipation of his return. What's on the mountain? My God is on the mountain. Just where Moses said uh, he would be met in worship. Brothers and sisters, my friends, my family, the mountain is not just a physical mountain, but an elevated place in the heart. You see, if God is on the mountain of your heart, then help is on the mountain. If God is on the mountain of your heart, hope is on the mountain. If God is on the mountain of your life, healing is on the mountain, and joy is on the mountain, and peace is on the mountain, and salvation is on the mountain, and love is on the mountain. If God is on the mountain of your heart, then and only then can you be lifted up by love above circumstance and situation, then and only then can you go to the places where God will send you to free others from a mindset and a mentality that keeps us chained and bound. But I believe God this morning that he will take us to the top of the mountain. I believe God will heal us and deliver us and give us hope and give us love and give us another opportunity. I believe God will love us through it all, through it all, through it all. I learned to lean on Jesus. I learned to trust in God. Through it all, through it all, I learned to depend upon his word. May God bless you and may heaven smile upon you.